This is Killstreak. Greetings, Losers Club. It's Killstreak, episode 164. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, is Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how you doing? What are you doing? I'm okay. Here? I'm rubbing the table. Oh, okay. Uh, is, it, is it making noise on the mic? No, it looked insane for my angle. It was like a kind of a stress relief, like pump up sort of Got action. Got it. Um, you know, you always say as always, but... There was that one there bonus was that episode one you did without me. Yeah, but I, I don't count that against you, you know? Okay. If I can't, I I don't deserve you at your best if I judge you at your worst. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. I don't think my worst is not being there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It gets worse than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I apologize. I am tired as fuck. I woke up at six and drove seven hours from Arizona. And then, oh, uh, you guys didn't come back yesterday. No, we came back today. Then I went and watched the Celtics lose to the Miami Heat. Then I came back. Oh, I went grocery shopping, too. And then I watched the Barry finale. And then here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got a, another deserve you at your best. Yeah. Take your, you your guys, worst kind of scenario. Hey, here. you guys got to. I mean, you love me already. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. It's true. It's true. We're all here because we love Eric. Thank you. We just want you to be happy. This is my make a wish is to have a <laughs> podcast that some people listen to. This is to. your podcasting intervention, actually. <laughs> this has been a three year sort of slow play. Oh man. Oh. Eric, you need to stop podcasting. Um, okay. Uh well, hey, when you were out in Arizona, did you watch anything interesting? Um, I won't. No, not for the podcast. Nothing, nothing horror related. Uh, I did see Air, <laughs> new Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> so did I. Not last week, but the week before. I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a very, um, calculated. I I, I appreciated the craft of the script in in a way that it was a three act script that did all the tricks that a three act yeah. script does. And in that way it was satisfying. But it was very competent and workmanlike. Yes, exactly. And that was um, enough for me at the time. Okay. My um as I do sometimes, I'll just read my letterboxd review. I gave air two stars out of five. Um and I said whatever the opposite of exactly the movie we need right now is it's this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go much higher. I'd probably give it two and a half to three stars yeah. or something like that. I it uh, didn't blow me away. I like the Tangerine Dream. So oh yeah, that was cool. But it's all it's mostly it was recycled. recycled, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's always nice to hear. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's some Haslinger in there too, solo stuff. Yeah. Um, Dave Horowitz, friend of the podcast, well, not really of the podcast, acquaintance of ours. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that he has any. Uh, a friendship with the podcast. I know. He, I guarantee you, he's never listened to an episode. Nah. His review, also two stars. 
fake movie. <laughs> That's all he said. What one thing that did? I mean, there's this isn't uh, can be said about a lot of '80s movies, movies that took, mm-hmm. that take place in the recent past, like '80s. Oh yeah, 90s. lay this on us. Is this your Twitter thing? '70s? Yeah, my a, my Twitter thing. It's that they good. they treat all of these time periods in these movies as being completely in the present moment and by that i mean all the ephemera that's there is all the latest things all the buzziest things a game boy a nintendo mm-hmm. uh, all the needle drops of that era all at yeah. once and it's all very much 1984 or 5 or whatever mm-hmm. and it doesn't if you look around your room right now Chances are you have shit in here from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. It's not all 2023 around us all the time. We're not always listening to every yeah. current needle like song that came out in mm-hmm. 2023. There's a building of history that constructs the world around us that is completely ignored in yeah. period pieces like this. You know what I'm I saying? Does that fair. make sense? I, it does make sense. And you know what? I'm not even saying this is a joke. I think... At least in part, we have the VH1 I Love the 80s, I Love the 90s series to blame for some of this. Totally, yeah. And um, I, I sort of understand why it happens, because our memories work that way. We're like, yeah, you kind of just do remember the sharp points and not the, you know, the, some the, mm-hmm. it's, it gets, those things stick out and, you, yeah. and they feel authentic in a way, but they're not. You know, my, well, my childhood, yeah. ta- my childhood living room had carpet from the seventies, a TV from the early eighties, you know, all this yeah. shit. It's like, that's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a simple example would be, I feel like anytime I'm like looking at or learning about, um, sort of home interior decorating and decor, mm-hmm. it's like. Whatever I think of is like, oh, yeah, that reminds me so much of the 80s. Inevitably, it's a thing that is from the 70s yes. or the late 60s. Totally. Right? Because it's, you know, they built a house in 1971 yeah. or they redecorated in 1971. And I remember 1986, you know, when it looked the same. Right. Yeah. I think where it does make sense is like a teenager's room because that would yeah. that would be of the moment. They're and... staying on top of it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that was what I watched. <laughs> did you watch anything? Um, did I talk? I think I talked about Clock last week, right? Yeah, the yeah, pregnancy I did. movie. Yeah, I think that's the last super genre-y thing I watched. Um, yeah. Now I, you know, I've been watching a bunch of TV. Um, Ken and I started Escape at Danamora. Oh, I've never seen which, that pretty good i gotta check that out yeah i had heard it was good when it was out but didn't hear a lot about it and then after severance and watching severance and really enjoying severance i was like well i should watch escape of danamora because it's essentially the same kind of core you know yeah i think similar same producers i don't know about the writers but you know stiller you got patricia arquette yeah stiller's a good director he is a good director yeah, it's the cable guy. Underrated. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Oh, <laughs> I, I just never mind. 
Uh, we'll come back to it. I had a thought okay. of like, oh, I, well, re- I rewatched something that I hadn't seen since my mm-hmm. childhood, and then I realized it was it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is well, let's jump from let's jump into it. Yeah, then. it's the movie we're ta- we're talking about the first half of the yes. original miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you if you were for some reason are like listening, and then you think you're gonna watch before we start talking about the movie. Yeah. We ran it up to, I don't know if this is true for you, but what we I, I think with the time we set, and certainly as I was watching it, I remembered where the VHS yeah, tapes me broke. Too. Me too. So it's Richie, Richie's suicide reveal is the last Stan, scene. Stan. Stan, sorry, yeah. Stan, not Richie. Yes. Stan, yeah. Yeah. And I quickly remember Stan that. Stan Uris, right? As, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I remember his last name. <laughs> as we were, um, as I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember the ending now because yeah. I I truthfully I haven't seen this movie. I think I watched it when originally aired and I probably mm-hmm. watched it one time after that on VHS. Um this strikes me as a movie you've watched a bunch of times throughout the years. Uh, more than that, but so you watched this when you were like 7? Yes. I did. Wow. I was I was um it was a summer trip unless it was re-aired. Uh, let me actually mm-hmm. check when it aired. Um, because I remember I was November, late November of 1990. Okay. Then it was a rerun. It must've been okay. re-aired at some point. Cause it was a summer trip. I'm sure. And I'm I was, sure was in a cabin, um, with my friend and my family. And we mm-hmm. watched the first, the first episode. And then, um, I don't, I think we watched, yeah, I think we watched both of them the next night. It was like one night okay. we watched it. And then the next night we finished it. Yeah, and then I saw it again on VHS, and maybe like once or twice after that. Um, okay. Well, what we'll, we'll, maybe in a little bit we'll get to what sort of impact that had on you. Yeah. Um, I uh, I saw this for the first time when I was in between fifth and sixth grade. I had just moved, mm-hmm. uh, so I was getting accustomed to my new local video store, which I would go on to work at for a few years. Um, it was called Pick a Flick Video. Ooh, but I like that. Yeah, some of the nastier kids would call it Pick and Flick. Oh no, you know, like a like a oh. booger. Um, I blame the parents. Yeah, but I remember very well clutching that two VHS box in my hand and uh, and bringing it home. And it, this movie scared me when I was twelve. But I'll tell you what, my my. Uh, interactions with it do go back to its airing. In fact, even a little bit before when it aired, mm. um, because I never watched it on TV, but I caught a lot of commercials for it. Okay, yeah, because it was a big to do. Um, this, I mean, I think it was like the most successful thing that ABC aired in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Uh, something like uh you know 30 million viewers um it's a big deal so they ran a lot of ads for it and i will tell you uh, for me a year younger than eric and i probably this was then we've discovered maybe a year before eric, you saw it so so make yourself two years younger and then you don't get to any context you just see pennywise and commercials on tv yeah it's terrifying it's scary as fuck i mean yeah you know not to crib into the next segment it scared the shit out of me mm-hmm. yeah me too um yeah i was afraid of clowns 
already mm-hmm. uh, at that age because of an incident I had had at a ground round with a clown. <laughs> you were at a ground round with a clown? Yeah, there was a clown doing balloon animals going from table to table. I couldn't have been older than five. Is that a common occurrence at the ground round? We didn't have those where I'm from. I couldn't really remember. My memories of the ground round are very faint, and this is probably the strongest of all of Mm -hmm. them. But yeah, it was just a standard clown doing balloons. But when he came over to our table, I kind of got a little freaked out. And I was like, no, go away. I don't want it. And he like did not read the room. He was like, I'll power through this. I'm going to get right in this kid's face. And I'll make him like me. And what he did instead was give me a lifelong uh, fear through childhood trauma. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Did he Anyways. do anything specific? No, he was just loud was just and there. in my face. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I was five and he was an adult. And so yeah. it was like this clown towering over me. And I'm, you know, saying like, no. Please, no. And he's not listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're powerless. Yeah, yeah, it was a traumatic experience. Um, yeah, so that's like my earliest interaction with the It miniseries. Um, I'm going to do a couple things differently today. Okay. Um, one, and I think we did a two-parter once, didn't we? Is this, or is this the first time we've ever done this? Um, this is the first time we've done this, I believe. Okay. Did we, we covered Salem's Lot in one go? In one go, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I've maybe done this once before with something that sort of shared a production, but, uh, because we're going to be covering this same movie slash miniseries next week, Mm -hmm. I'm going to split my usual, usual spiel into two parts. Um, and today I'm just going to talk about the principles, the cast, the director, the writer. Okay. Um, and then next week I'll go a little bit more into detail on the production and some of the behind the scenes stuff. Cool. Um, and the other thing I'm going to do, which is a pilot program for the rest of the show, mm-hmm. is I have decided, and I'm sure you will support this decision, that I am no longer going to try to withhold, you know, sort of my my opinions if they are pertinent to what we're discussing about later films in the series. Right? Sure. I feel like a lot of the time we I I in particular do this little dance with like, well, we'll talk about that when we talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah. movie. And, you know, obviously I'm not trying to, like, give away the farm right off the bat, but I was just thinking about it. And it's like, for me to discuss this movie freely today in the way that I want to, I want to talk about the 2017 It. Yeah. You know? Uh, I want to talk about Bill Skarsgård. I want to talk about that cast. Yeah. Um, and I think it would do a disservice to this episode not to. So I just said, I'm saying fuck it. You know what? I think it's fine, because we're going to rewatch those movies anyway. Or, yeah. for me, I haven't seen... The second one. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'll be my first time. And a lot of times our opinion changes of movies, especially yeah. recent ones. Um, yeah. So, my opinion of chapter two could only get better. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you said. I, I, yeah. I've never saw chapter two because it got pretty much universally panned. Yeah. And it's really long. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I don't really want to do that. So I'm not yeah. going to. But now I will. <laughs> <laughs> now that it's a job instead of a yeah. 
a recreational decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the other thing I never checked on, I can probably figure it out right now, but there's two versions of this. Oh, yeah? The Yeah, I. so the original VHS version, which I think is what aired on TV, is 192 minutes long. Oh. And then the what they call the the DVD Blu-ray version, it shaves off five minutes, okay. which is sort of the opposite of what I would have expected. So it's definitely not a like we it's not a director's cut. It's not like we added things in and there's more violence or whatever. It's like I think I don't know if it was connective tissue or what, but they carved some stuff out of it. Um, I wonder see. what it is. I wonder if it's like because there are some obvious commercial breaks. Yeah, but okay. So we are getting the, um, yeah, we are getting the DVD Blu-ray version, three hours and seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Max says three hours eight minutes. Um, yeah, so there's five minutes out there somewhere. Mm. Maybe we'll look on YouTube and and find out what we're missing. Um, but whatever it is, we saw it when we rented it the first time. Yeah, there wasn't um, anything that stood out to me as something I didn't. Or I remembered that wasn't yeah. there, but well, there was one thing that I I imagine you were pretty upset that was missing from the end of this. <laughs> I was gonna make that same joke to you. <laughs> yeah, I got to you first. <laughs> you I fucker. did it first. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> well, that was never shot. Uh, believe sure. me, I've looked. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're uh. talking about the child orgy that takes place in the novel. <laughs> yeah, the book I haven't read since I was. Almost as old as when I... I think I read the book right after I watched oh, yeah. the miniseries. I have a copy I haven't read it since me. then. Yeah. It's... I mean, it's funny because I've never gone back to it, mostly because of its length. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in my head, it was always like, this is maybe the best Stephen King book. It's great. Um, and I'm, yeah. How do you... When's the last time you read it? And how do you feel? Uh, I've read it twice. The first time when I was a kid and the second time um, when... Probably about 15 years ago. Wow. Okay. So still a long time. Still a while ago. Maybe it's a little bit yeah. sooner than that. But I, I rebought a copy because my copy that I had since I was a kid fell apart. Uh-huh. So I purchased it. Actually, I bought it at the place when we were doing the um, signing for Yeti a Love Story too. Oh yeah, I was there. Yeah. Right. That's where I, I repurchased the copy. end. Nobody really asked me to come. I just showed up. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite. I would say that in the stand. Or two, yeah, or even though two favorites. It, apparently with King, length does equal quality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just something yeah. really satisfying in in the expansiveness of those two projects in particular. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot that's not that doesn't make it to the screen. And I like, can't, yeah. Rightfully so. It's a thousand a twelve hundred page book or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot with like the townspeople, especially in the in the early the nineteen fifties segments. Yeah. One thing I don't remember is if it cuts between the present and the past. I my memory is that it does. I think it does too. Um, but I could be wrong. I mean, I can um, look. It's right behind me. Yeah, maybe while know. I'm when I'm you know, during the break, uh, take a peek at break, it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I. Th- think that's the case but i mean the other thing too is like so in the first move you know in this the first half it's mostly kids but we do get the framing device of the adults right in 
2017's it, it's all kids. It's all they kids. didn't even they didn't even cast the adults before they before they shot it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just sort of assume that the book shakes it up a little bit going back and forth. I think also, it does. I mean, it's like a, it's a good device. It's like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I imagine the case with the with the modern one was there was no guarantee that they were going to get to make a second one because right. it was an expensive project. So it's like, well, this one has to be pretty self-contained then. Right. Or it was just a poor decision. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Okay, but we're not talking about 2017, and we're not talking about the book. We are talking about 1990s ABC miniseries. Stephen King's It is how it is usually billed. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, like I mentioned, this was kind of a big deal for ABC. They gave it a fairly big budget for this sort of thing, $12 million. Um, so, you know, if it was a movie... It'd be a lo- it'd, it'd be you know, for a, for a three and a half hour thing that's not a ton of money, but mm-hmm. it's more than most. Yeah, I'm sure it's like relative to say Salem's Lot, which we watched. It's it's a larger budget. Mm-hmm. Um, who do we have? I had forgotten Eric who directed this movie. I had too. I also yeah. forgot one of the main cast members. Uh-huh. Uh Seth Green. Which one? Seth Green. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was he's in. he's a sneaky one. <laughs> um yeah so this is a picture directed by Tommy Lee Wallace mm-hmm. appearing for the third time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um frequent collaborator of John Carpenter, uh oftentimes writer, uh writer director of Halloween 3 season of the witch, mm-hmm. writer director of Fright Night Part 2. Uh and then I would say that this is you know the th- the other kind of big feather in his cap. Yeah. Um, if you take a look at his uh, filmography, you know, unfortunately this in 1990 is probably the last thing of any real repute that he did. Uh, there's a lot of TV movies, which I'm, I hope paid him very well. Uh, and some TV episodes through the eighties and early nineties. But this is the last thing that really That's makes much of a dent. Surprising. Yeah, because we've expressed before that we think he's not bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, we love Halloween 3. There's no secret about that. But, I mean, I I remember being a little bit surprised by Fright Night Part 2. I like Uh, like that one. Yeah, with regards to its quality. Um, So, his collaborator on this is someone we talked about just last fall. Lawrence D. Cohen, uh, who was the writer of Carrie based the the script not the book obviously um and i think you know we had mentioned on the Carrie episode that he's basically just done Stephen King stuff mm-hmm. like that's most of his career um he wrote uh a film adaptation of Ghost Story uh which is a Peter Straub book but mm-hmm. Peter Straub then went on to write what's the name of the book that uh, they wrote Black together? House and uh, yeah. The Talisman the talisman that's the uh, that's the original yeah, one yeah yeah i remember that one was on the bookshelf at my uncle's house for a long time but i never picked it up cuz i was like who's peter straub i just want to read stephen king yeah it was also a uh, bookshelf i don't must not have been my house because i can't imagine mm. my parents buying it but i saw it 
a lot on the bookshelf somewhere and I always pull it down and yeah. be like, this seems weird. And it is. <laughs> it's a weird book. Yeah. I might read it someday, <clears throat> you know? I, th- I remember Black um, House being pretty cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. He wrote the Tommyknockers miniseries. He wrote a segment of Nightmares and Dreamscapes TV mm-hmm. series. Uh, this is most of what he's done. Uh, so, you know, this, again, is one of the bigger things that he was involved in. Um, and then, yeah, you were talking about the cast. It's it's a cast. It's pretty There are a lot of people. Of the era. There are a lot of people in this movie, and there's a lot of noteworthy people in this movie. Um, okay, let's do a little lightning round. So, let's start with the adult losers, because those are sort of the headliners of the cast, right? Yeah. Um, so in order of relative importance, I guess you've got Richard Thomas, who is playing Bill Denbro. He is probably best known to old people as John boy from the Waltons. Mm. Um, to me, he's best known as this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he was also, I think, was he the voice? He was like the voice of BMW or Mercedes before. It was either Mercedes before John Hamm. Oh wow. Or BMW. So but I but it was like loaded. Yeah, because he was doing those ads for fucking ever. Um but yeah. He he's, finally cleared um, up that stutter to do those ads. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's just pause right now and address this. This is this is my elephant in the room. Yeah. This is no disrespect. I don't mean to be insensitive at all, but yeah. stuttering drives me fucking insane Mm. i hate especially in movies and tv where it's someone impersonating a stutter yes i cannot stand listening to it it's really there's a guy yeah oh go ahead no no you you, i was gonna say it's really bad in this movie too especially i will pinpoint Mm -hmm. him adult adult bill is a really bad stutter yeah brandis handles it a little bit better but it's still annoying um, but I remember being annoyed by the book, mm-hmm. like reading the stuttering in the book. I was just like, do we have to do this? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. And I'll say like a lot of it is the artificiality. There's a guy mm-hmm. who I go to school with who has a bit of a stutter. And and the nice thing about that is, you know, he stutters, but it's fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. This is like so drawn out. Yeah. It's dragged like, out. It's like choking on your words. Like, but, 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 but. Mike, like it's like yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, shout out to all the speech therapists out there. Yeah, uh, saving me from more of this. Um. Okay, so that's uh, adult Bill, young Bill. I'm just going back and forth. Jonathan Brandis, mm-hmm. uh, f- child model and actor, um, the star of Never Ending Story two. Mm-hmm. One of the leads on Sequest DSV. What do you know him best as? Eric? Never ending story too. Okay, I would say Ladybugs probably. Yeah, Ladybugs. Isn't... Yeah, yeah. Ladybugs and Sidekicks. That was the same year. That was a big brand. Oh this year. yeah, more Sidekicks Sidekicks than Ladybugs, but yeah, both yeah. of those too. Um, a lot of most people know. Well, if you know who Jonathan Brandis is, you probably know he committed suicide. He hung himself. Uh, at 27 years old. Pretty sad. Um, Pretty sad. Very sad. Yeah. Apparently he missed a role. Missed out on a role. Supposedly Anakin Skywalker. Oh, it was Anakin? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. And then started heavily drinking and basically told his friends he was going to kill himself and then did. Yeah. Which is doubly tragic because also imagine if Brandis had been Anakin instead of fucking Hayden Christensen. Because Brandis is good. He is good. He's He's always been a talented actor. I guess I should say he was a talented actor. Um, So, yeah. Gone too soon. 20 years this November. Wow. Um, yeah, he'd be he'd be turning 47 if he was still with us. Wow, young. Yeah. Young guy. Uh, so. Yeah. Bev, Beverly Marsh, the redheaded female member of the Losers Club, as an adult is played by Annette O'Toole, um, Lana Lang from Superman 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she was on Nash Bridges. I never watched a single episode. No, I didn't. Uh, and then in a kind of cute, you know, wink nod casting, she also played Martha Kent in the CB series Smallville, mm. which is fun, but also a little weird because I think it's, you know, she maybe fucked Superman in the, <laughs> the 80s. And then she was Superman's mom in the aughts. She got there a little early if it had been the late 2010s oh yeah that would have made perfect sense she gets stuck under a, a, a <laughs> she's stuck in the dryer superman has to get her out yeah. uh, stuck gets her head <laughs> stuck between slats in the fence outside um outside wow yeah they don't, i mean they don't i don't, care if I don't have watching. a i don't have a fence indoors i yeah. don't know about you um young beverly is played by an actress named emily perkins uh, do you know where we know her from, Eric? I know. I didn't I know the until name. I looked her up. I know the name, but I don't remember from where. She is Bridget Fitzgerald from Ginger Snaps and Ginger Snaps oh. Back. Oh, yeah. She is the younger of the Fitzgerald girls. Holy shit! Yeah, that's fun. The lead, the lead in the second one. Kind of the one that's uh, like, because she has her hair dyed. It's it. Wow. Yeah, she looks different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's Emily Perkins. Um, wow. That's pretty much it. Just those things. Uh, okay, moving on. We've got Ben Hanscom, played by John Ritter, mm. the late great John Ritter. Yeah. Um, who really should need no introduction, but in case you're a young person, he was on a sitcom called Three's Company, mm-hmm. which was a huge deal. He's, he lived with two hot ladies. Two of the hottest and, ladies you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> yeah. And it was a network sitcom, so it was all just sort of implied sexiness. Yeah. Um, but, you know, man, I'd like to believe that there was some some throupling going on in oh, that house. That would make me happy to know. Um, he's also the dad in Problem Child and Problem Child 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a great smaller role in bad santa his last movie uh before he died very prematurely um yeah he had a heart attack uh in 2003 the same year as jonathan brandis wow the curse yeah jeez louise yeah also just famously very famously notoriously one of the nicest people in the history of hollywood yeah yeah, it's like him and Henry Winkler are the two guys that everybody's just like, they're just so great. Wow, The Onion went on a run of uh, John Ritter jokes when he died. Oh, no. 
Oh God! What did well, I was throw, trying to find the one that us. I was thinking of, but there's okay. one. Another one came up. It's eight simple rules laugh track replaced with somber string arrangement. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because he was starring on Eight Simple Rules yeah. to date my teenage daughter when he passed. There was another one that I was trying to find where it was just like eight simple rules get a lot simpler or something like that. Ah. <laughs> uh. No more rules for dating my teenage uh, I don't know. What the fuck was uh, Well, you keep trying to find yeah. it. Um, young Ben Hanscombe uh, is played by Jay Ryan, um, which is funny because, so the whole thing um, with Ben's character, right, is as a kid, he's heavier. Um, and then he grows up to be thinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh fun trivia fact that i didn't know until i did my research for this um wait no god damn it man i made a fool of myself just now oh no i will say um (laughs) it's partially wikipedia's fault i had written down because in the john in the ben hanscom thing it says john ritter and then it says you know uh at the end of each of these, it's like so and so plays young Beverly Marsh, so and so plays young uh, Bill Denbro, and then this one, for whatever reason, at the end of it, they give the name of the guy who plays adult Ben in the new movie. Oh, um, so I said Jay Ryan. It's not Jay Ryan. Oh, okay. I'm not going to ask you to delete this. It's too much work. I'm going to own this. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. But I just I just want you guys to know that if we had an editor or producer, I would ask them to take this out. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it'll be me at eleven thirty at night. <laughs> well, that's what I say. I'm not gonna make you do nah, that. I'm not gonna do it because you're already whiny at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, anyways, the actual young Ben Hanscombe is played by a guy named Brandon Kane, uh, who I think was in. A handful of other things, like, kind of in this era. Um, Because, you know, when he comes on screen, to me at least, he's recognizable. Now, it may just be because he kind of looks like me when I was 12. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, he was on a bunch of TV. He was, like, on a couple episodes of uh, The Wonder Years. Oh, that's where I know him from. Yeah, most of a season maybe mm-hmm. he's on step by step he was on full house he was on mr belvedere so he would have showed up on our tv um but not much of a an adult acting career to speak of uh okay we're getting halfway through <laughs> oh did you catch that on the microphone uh did you fart i did huh. wow i'm still gonna let you keep this in Jesus. god damn it this is the episode where i really have egg on my face I'm also sweating. I'm sweating now. This Good sucks. I'm, mis- I'm miserable. Um, man, everybody's dead. The late great Harry Anderson. Yeah, plays Richie Tozier. Um, yeah, he passed away about five years ago. Um, yeah, a stroke due to influenza and heart disease. Jeez. Uh, only sixty-five years old. That's uh, sad. Take it from someone who knows. That's too old, too young for someone to die. Yeah. Um, he's from Newport, Eric. Did you know that? Newport, Rhode Island? Yeah. Oh. Your wife's from Rhode Island. Yeah, she is. 
My family's kind of from Rhode Island. Uh, anyways, Harry Anderson, he's great. He was uh, Judge Harry Stone on Night Court. That was his big thing. He had his own show, sitcom called Dave's World. Uh, oh, he yeah. hosted a ton of episodes of Saturday Night Live. And he was a famous magician. Like, that's kind of how, I think that's how his career started. Yeah, that's on Cheers. He, I, he would do magic right. tricks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was a popular kind of guest guest star yeah, slash guest like a actor. con man magician yeah yeah he's fun <laughs> uh, he's great um and again gone too soon uh he as a youth as you pointed out eric is played by seth green mm-hmm. you know who seth green is i i honestly i refuse to tell people about seth, seth green, green. Every, that's, that's everybody great. knows who seth green is seth green was um, fucking everywhere in the 90s good lord everywhere yeah yeah, this is like his quiet period. Like he did a fair amount of of child acting, but when he hit like twenty, he blew the fuck mm-hmm. up. It's crazy. It's a fun episode of the X Files. Might be like it's in the first season where him mm. and Jack Black are two teenagers. Oh, yeah, I do remember Jack Black being on the X's. Jack Black's like like small part acting career before, you know really he started to take off it's very fun mm. just like figuring out things like there are so many things that i'll just be like watching and i'm like oh fuck, fuck that's right black. like young jack black like Waterworld. he's in Waterworld. world <laughs> that yeah he's the guy he's like one of, he's the dude who like runs the big gun uh-huh and he like has a pig nose on his on his oh yeah know, goggles or whatever i love that yeah i don't know it's crazy anyways yeah, Jack Black, Airborne, of course, the rollerblading movie, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I never saw one of those movie. movies that was on HBO. You must not have had HBO when it was mm. on every fucking week. Um, but yeah, check it out or don't. Oh, Seth Green's in that one too. Best buds can't keep them Seth apart. Green's like the co-star of that movie. Yeah, Jack Black's like a hanger on. Okay, um, we should probably keep moving. <laughs> uh, Eddie Kasprak, the asthmatic limo uh, company owner, uh, as an adult, is played by a guy named Dennis Christopher, who's in a bunch of stuff, but I don't really know him all that well. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Breaking Away, Chariots of Fire. Mm. There's a little bit of a, you know... Maybe there's a theme there. Isn't Breaking Away a running movie? It's a, it's a biking movie, a cycling movie. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Racing. He, mm-hmm. There's a racing theme to his early career. He's he very must have speedy. Been, he must have been fit. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's been in a ton of shit. He's just not super famous. Um, as a youth, uh, he's played by a guy named Adam Farizel, who has done very little. Yeah. Um, so we will not dwell on him. Although I'll just get this out there right now. I like him. I think he's good. Yeah. Um, that's me. That's the new risky me. Yeah. Just we saying, just hey, say what we know think. What? Um, Tim Reed plays Mike Hanlon. Uh, Tim Reed was on WKRP in Cincinnati hmm. and uh, the eighties drama, Simon and Simon. <clears throat> uh, I guess it's really more of an, like an action show crime drama i thought his casting the child actor was good casting that they have a similar long face ah long face gents marlon taylor is who you're marlon referring to. taylor yeah another guy who uh 
I think, has has a small resume. Um, but you're right, he does have a long face. Looking at adult pictures of him, it's a long, it's an elongated face. It's, <laughs> it's an oval face. Uh, finally, <laughs> for the Losers Club, <laughs> Stanley Uris, who I uh, misnamed as Richie earlier, mm-hmm. is played by character actor Richard Mazur, who is in lots and lots and lots of things. He was also the president of SAG. Oh, wow. Four years. Yeah. Um, perhaps the greatest thing he ever appeared in was The Thing. Oh, what uh, does he play he plays, he plays Clark. He's the guy. He's the dog's guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he plays it really well because, he, he, you know, he has a little bit of screen time, but he gets to use it to great effect because those dogs are very uh, near and dear to his heart yeah. and they all, all get fucking eaten by an alien. It sucks. Um, also, one of my favorite movies, he plays, um, I think it's Yale. I don't know. It's some Ivy League college, but he plays like an admissions officer in Risky Business. He's oh, guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up in the middle of the big sex worker party yeah. to interview Tom Cruise. It was um, a movie you turned me on to. That is great. You, you do like it. Yeah. I'm glad. I'd never seen it until you, you said it was one of your favorites, and then I checked it out. It's great. Yeah, it's a weird movie. Very Just weird. Like, it's, it's not sheer you, existence. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you think it is. Yeah. And then also it's Tangerine w- Dream. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Young Stan is played by Ben Heller, who is not really an actor. Um, okay. And then uh, really, really small Olivia Hussey shows up. She's Bill's adult wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's who that was. Okay. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, you know, man, this the 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 Shakespeare stuff's getting worse and worse. It's making it really hard for me to between that and the being fifteen thing. It's uh, it's just tough. To, I just watched to a enjoy movie Shakespeare to um, Romeo and Juliet like I used to. Turkey shoot is that turkey shoot? I, brought, I think I brought it up the podcast. Never uh, heard it's, of a, it. it's a really fun exploitation movie that's like a cross between the prisoner and like battle royale. Okay. Um, it's you know, it's not a masterpiece. It's it's cheesy as fuck, but it's pretty fun. Nice. It's on Tubi. Check that out. Um, everything's on Tubi. Uh, I before we get directed to... by Brian Trenchard Smith, I want to say. Oh. The oh. director of Leprechaun Three and Four. Oh, I remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you catch the the very small appearance by the Smoking Man from the X Files, Eric? Oh, I didn't. Who does he play? William B. Davis. I think he's the. Is he, he's either a teacher or principal, but he's disciplining someone. I think he's a teacher. Oh, I missed it. Um, yeah, but he gets into some shit with one of the kids. I forget what the scene was. Uh, and then weirdly, there's a library aide. I think she doesn't show up much until the second movie, but she's played by the woman who played Samantha Mulder, Fox Mulder's sister oh. on the X-Files. So maybe they shared someone in the casting department. Um, okay, those are the only people in this movie, right? I didn't forget anyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you didn't forget. Uh, yeah, you forgot nobody that's beloved or uh-huh. <laughs> iconic in this. Movie. And an iconic, one of the most iconic performances in a horror movie yeah. ever. Uh, um, yeah. Well, the important thing is that I spent thirty minutes talking about all those people, and I'll now spend sixty seconds talking about <laughs> Tim Curry, um, who plays the titular it, mm-hmm. Pennywise the clown. Um, he's in. He's excellent. This is this is uh, a 
once in a lifetime sort of casting stroke of of genius. Um yeah, I mean it's Tim Curry, you can't go wrong. Frankenfurter, right? Yeah. Um the devil from legend. <laughs> the the uh hotel worker from Home Alone too. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of improvisation. He decided to give the character a little bit of a Bronx accent. Yeah, he's accent. a Bronx accent. I noticed this time. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, which is fun. Um, and yeah, he um, he, had a, he he had a lot of fun with it. He, apparently, it was a role that he took because he felt like it was uh, f- sort of fun and subversive because he gets to be jokey and then terrifying. Mm-hmm pretty simplistic stuff but uh yeah one of the classic like long ass makeup jobs three hours in the chair every day mm-hmm. um Got that big ass bulbous head yeah he does i like that big head me too um, skarsgård yeah. has the big head and it's, it's like a he does a real it's all forehead yeah for skarsgård yeah because yeah. he's got that like horseshoe shaped hair mm-hmm. right we'll talk about skarsgård more Maybe in the next segment, or maybe in two episodes. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess he, he maintained. Uh, I don't want to say mean, but like a sort of standoffish relationship with the with the actors. Yeah. So as to better terrify, um, and supposedly just an acting choice. Tommy Lee Wallace says he was great. He's uh, great to work with. Um, so, anyways, we love Tim Curry here. We love to uh, wish him well. Yeah, we do. He's he's still out there. He's, he's still, still with us. Around. I think he's not yeah. doing well, but he's still oh, Jesus kicking. Of course not. Who is? Yeah. Um, okay, that's it. Those are all the people I wanted to talk about. Next week, we will get into the production of the film. But for now, I need to stop talking for just a few minutes. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the movie some more. We've already been talking about it. It's evil. It's terrifying. It's coming. Stephen King's It, starting Sunday, November 18th. Okay, so I checked the book, um, and the structure of it is the opening kind of does cut between um, the, the 50s and the 80s, and then from that point forward, it's like separated by parts. Okay. So it's like part one is all in the 50s. Part two is in the 80s. Part three is in the 50s. Ah. So it's not intercut like it is. Okay. And speaking of intercutting, the um, wiki that I'm reading off of is a Stephen King wiki. And it's not laid out exactly like it is in the movie. It's more chronological. So we'll use our imagination a little bit. Um, in this, it starts in 1960. But... In, in the miniseries, it starts with a little girl in 1990 being murdered by Pennywise mm-hmm. and Mike Hanlon, um, the the one of the Losers Club, uh, getting suspicious that it has returned in placing phone calls to the various members of the Losers Club. So then this continues. In Derry, Maine, 1960, Georgie Denbro, bra, plays in the streets with a paper sailboat made by his stuttering big brother, Bill. It goes down a storm drain where Georgie encounters Pennywise, the dancing clown. 
Pennywise entices Georgie to reach in and retrieve the boat only for him to bite his arm off and leaves him to bleed to death. Months later, Bill and his asthmatic friend, Eddie Kasprak, befriend the overweight new kid, Ben Hanscom. They're later joined by Beverly Marsh, who lives with her abusive father. The comical Richie Tozer, Tozier, Tozier? Yeah, it's always hard. And the Jewish Boy Scout, Stan Uris. As they all start to know each other, Ben develops feelings for Beverly, only to discover she has feelings for Bill. Besides being bullied by a gang led by Henry Bowers, the children all encounter Pennywise. The group are joined by Mike Hanlon, an African-American new kid in town, being pursued by Henry's gang. They chase him off with a rock fight, Henry vowing to kill the children who are dubbed the Losers Club. While looking through Mike's history scrapbook, the Losers realize that Pennywise, which they refer to as It, is a monster who awakens every 30 years to devour children. Bill realizes it kills Georgie, leading the Losers into Derry's sewers to kill the clown. Stan is ambushed by Henry and his friends Vic Chris and Reginald Belch Huggins, but the latter are both killed by it. Henry is left traumatized. His hair turns white. Stan regroups with the losers, but is grabbed by it. The losers use its ability to gain access to their imaginations and use it against him. Eddie imagines his inhalers full of battery acid, melting half of its face. Beverly fires silver bullets at it. The Losers, believing it can kill the clown. Yeah. Uh, it escapes down a drain to hibernate. The Losers take a vow to return to Derry as adults, should it return. Um, so this is intercut with, in 1990, Mike works as a librarian in Derry. It resurfaces and murders several children, prompting Mike to contact his estranged friends to fulfill their vow. Bill has become a best-selling horror novelist married to a British actress, Audra Phillips. Ben is an architect. Beverly is a fashion designer abused by her co-worker, Tom Rogan. It's Grogan. I, was, I distinctly heard a Grogan. Uh, Richie is a late-night television comedian. Eddie runs a limousine service but still lives with his overbearing mother. And Stan is a married real, real estate broker. All of the losers, save Stan, promise to return. Stan's wife later discovers he has committed suicide in the bath and has written it upon the tiles. And that is where part one of the miniseries ends. Indeed. <coughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think of any major things that was left out. Um, there's a definitely nice rhythm that happens where you see the adult characters receiving the phone call. You get glimpses mm -hmm. into their new life and then it flashes back to them as children. Yeah. And often it'll cut to, you know, a substantive scene for that particular character yes. as it, as a kid. And it's really cool and satisfying. And that kind of gets lost in the recap, but Hey, you should probably just watch this movie because mm -hmm. blood and guts check Mike. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I'll start by recalling a conversation that you and I had when we watched Salem's Lot and yeah. got to the final thoughts on that movie. And I was uh, gentler on Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot. And one of the reasons that I often cited 
was because of the format. It was a TV miniseries. There were limitations to what was mm-hmm. going to be possible, right? So because I'm fair, you know, and reasonable and logical, I, I have to apply that same reasoning to this miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, it, there are things that aren't as possible as they would be in a, in a feature film. So if I'm kind of using the context of TV miniseries to give my thoughts or my opinions on on it it's very good um it there are things about it that don't work mm-hmm. um and there are parts it sometimes it's cheesy mm-hmm. there's one or two acting performances that i do not care for which i will get into detail on in a bit mm-hmm. um and you know it it's you know it's never gonna have much gore um, but that doesn't keep it from being scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the great achievements of this movie is that despite being a network TV miniseries, it's pretty scary. Um, and yeah, that, uh, the iconic Pennywise performance by Tim Curry is, it's as good as I ever remembered it. And it's, and you know, Tim Curry's amazing, but it's also a real feat of makeup. He's really fucking scary looking, uh, when he goes to his teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I mean, yeah, I, I always go back to watching this movie, I think, because I do enjoy it, but I also always go in kind of like, uh, you know, it's not great, but it's good. And I think that's true. But I think when you apply it to then like, well, what are the best TV miniseries ever made it? I think it ascends from good to pretty good bordering on great in that category. Well, um, you said a phrase which is Tim Curry is just as good as I remembered it mm. or just as scary as I remembered him yeah and that was something I was thinking about going into this movie will it be as good as I remember it mm-hmm. um, knowing its limitations as a TV right. miniseries in its time period that it was filmed and I haven't seen it in quite a while so it was really I could have I could turn on this movie. Yeah. I really really liked it. Yeah. And it does have as you're alluding to a bit of of the period cheese. Mhm. And some really some bad acting performances yeah. and just some cheesy in general TV shit. But at its core, I think it's really good. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. It looked way better than I remember it being. Yeah, Did, I mean, it I looks as good as any thing. movie of the time, really. Yeah, it, yeah, any movie of the time, exactly. It's not like, you know, a visual powerhouse, but <laughs> right. it looked like, the, at least the transfer that I watched on my mm-hmm. iPad and my mom's, on like a futon in my mom's house, um, um, looked <laughs> crisp. It was good. Yeah. Um, and Pennywise just pops so hard with his white makeup and his red hair and nose. Yeah. And it's scary. It is still it is. scary. Yeah. And I think maybe you you were just getting at something. There is a there is a simplicity to to the frightening moments that mm-hmm. I think works really well. Um, and it stands in stark contrast to some stuff in the modern movies, in particular the second one, um, yeah. 
which I'm not going to say too much about since you haven't seen it, but I'll just say that you feel it a ton. The climax of this, uh, this first half that we watched, is is the climax of It Chapter 2. Yeah, it's so... The, oh, it's the... Of 2? Um, chapter oh, 1. Oh, no, it's them as a, it's them as adults doing something. Yes, it's the climax of, of yeah. the first movie. Sorry. Yes. Um, so there is an approach that they take with regards to using CGI, which I know I'm a fucking broken record, but yeah, they're just, there are a lot of moments in the new one, especially like not especially, but in the new ones where, you know, they opt to do something sort of bombastic and like big mm-hmm. budget actiony and sci-fi instead of keeping it simple and trying to make it really scary. Yeah. And, and I think this movie really exceeds at that. It's a hard book to adapt because sure. a lot of what's in it is really high concept, pretty abstract. Yeah. There's a lot of really abstract shit. Like he's going for this HP Lovecraft unknowable horror. Mm-hmm. Like it has, it, there's a giant t- galactic turtle who vomited up the universe and shit like there's some (laughs) really wild things and Mm -hmm. i also appreciate this more low-key approach to it um that's not to say that everything is perfect i think especially that last confrontation in this section that we watched it feels pretty rushed and there's a few things in the movie that feel very rushed and I, you know, that's pro- kind of a pro- probably a product of adapting a twelve hundred page novel into yeah. three hours, but still, there's still there's some pacing issues. I agree. Yeah, um, and and it's unfortunate because the things that they tend to skip over are the kinds of things that like really elevate a film, right? When you spend a little bit more time understanding the character relationships, getting the nuance of of such a huge cast of characters there just isn't room for all of them to develop in this no no No. especially stan you don't really get much of stan at all yeah adult stan dies almost immediately in child stan you don't really get a sense of what his character is yeah i think stan gets a significant amount more development in the new films which is interesting um um in the new films is the first kill faithful to the book because in this one it's not the first kill in the novel is um the one that kicks it all off is pennywise kill a gay man is thrown off of a Mm. bridge yeah in a hate crime and then pennywise kills him like down in the you know sewery area there's a a complicated not too complicated answer to that question which is yes and no okay so that kill is the beginning of it chapter two that's a okay. okay. Yeah, because it's modern day, so they really did. But then the weird thing is, like, this isn't really a spoiler about the uh, chapter two. Is that chapter two does adopt a structure of flashing back to their childhood at times, but it doesn't okay. do it in like a full kind of outlined story way. Like I feel this one does, where it's like really structured. Yes, it is. In the second, in, in chapter two, it's more like. It's it's like um, it's it's sort of the same device that we see here of like the adults remembering a really awful thing that happened, yeah. Um, 
when they were kids. Um, but it's not, you know, I don't know. It's okay. It's uh, sporadically affected. Um, let's talk about these <clears throat> actors, Eric. Mm-hmm. Who did it and didn't do it for you? Um, for me, I think most of the child actors are doing it for me. Mm. Uh, that sounds fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, okay. you creep. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Bill's stutter, I don't like. We kind of touched yeah. on that earlier. I like when he's talking to his wife. He's like, "You have to promise me, you know, don't go." Yeah, I, I, you know, I can definitely didn't love that. Could do without it. What about? I think you'll probably spark something in my imagine in my memory. What about you? Yeah. So, um, this is a problem that's going to get worse in the second half, based on you know just the way this is all written out. But yeah, adult Bill, played by Richard Thomas. Mm-hmm. is not particularly good. No. Um, and that's a pretty big problem because he's, you know, the founder of the Losers Club. He is, yeah, he's the main character. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's, and it's funny because Brandis is great. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that he is, is leading the charge for most of this thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, when we jump, it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm sure playing Ben was more fun, but it's like you have John Ritter in your cast. Yeah. And you make this fucking chud like he's your lead and Ritter, <laughs> Ritter's like third build. What the fuck? Um, Seth Green is good as Richie once he's not being jokey. Yeah. But the writing of Richie, is, even in the novel, is really annoying. Yeah. And like yeah. not funny. I know when, it's supposed to be annoying, but I think that's one of one of one of King's big shortcomings is yeah. writing dialogue that's supposed to be funny. Yes. It's never it never feels real. It uh, never feels real. It feels like yeah. it was written by aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um let's talk about Beverly, young Beverly, Emily Perkins, I think is good. Mm-hmm. Uh Annette O'Toole is okay. She's not impressive. Yeah, she's fine. She doesn't get yeah. all that much to do in this one. Yeah. Um, the the relationship she has with her coworker is fucking weird. Yeah, I was like, what is that? I think it's her husband. Is it her husband? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, they certainly live together. So. Um, yeah, and and it this it's a finer point still is put on it in the new ones where you know, but I think. It doesn't. You don't have to be a genius to to kind of pick up on the mirroring of her abusive relationship with her father, and then this man that she's living mm-hmm. with as an adult. Um, already talked a little bit about Ritter. Ritter's great. Um, he's yes. really charismatic. Um, he kind of just pops as soon as he shows up. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's he's just uh, he's great to watch um, and. Brandon Crane, the young guy, I like him too. I think he's the young Ben, right? He's the young Ben. He's really yeah. good. Yeah, the one I thing like I would say more. is that their characters are a little bit different, uh-huh. which like this is, and maybe let's take the briefest of diversions because I know this episode's gonna be long. But have you had you stopped to consider at any point watching this that something that cribs very heavily from this book, this movie in its structure is yellow jackets. 
Mm, I hadn't thought about that. You're yeah. Right. Um, and and I have the same problem with Yellow Jackets with some of the characters, in particular the lead, um, who I couldn't tell you, um, the name of the the younger actress. Um, I'm looking it up real fast. The Melanie. Yeah, Melanie uh, Linsky is younger. Um, yeah. So he looks similar. Yeah, Sophie Nellis. Yeah. So that's the thing. The look is right on, but then they're just playing two completely different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I feel uh, about some of these. Like Harry Anderson to Seth Green, that makes sense. But like yeah. Ritter, ben, Brandon Crane to Ritter, you know, he's like a poet and he's like sensitive but but like a little bit uh on edge or sort of like he's got some he's got some anger deep down and then ritter is almost doing like a like he's he's sort of closer to richie almost like he's sort of wisecracking yeah yeah yeah. and we'll we'll see how that develops in the next half maybe that'll that's that's kind of one of the downsides of splitting in one movie in two yeah but yeah uh, I agree with that. I think uh, Harry Anderson is really good. Yeah, yeah, as he is. as Richie. Like mm-hmm. I love that initial track. There's a long tracking shot when his adult segment begins, where it begins backstage of the late night show, and then mm-hmm. comes out and then follows him backstage. Really cool camera work. Yeah. really great performance by Anderson. Oh, that that mustache is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a yeah. very faint mustache. It's just like he's not supposed to have a mustache. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Seth Green's pretty good too, like you said. I think I agree with your assessment there. Um, Eddie. So Dennis Christopher, like we talked about, he's fine. He's mm-hmm. another one of those like I don't really have a problem with him, but he didn't do much for me. Yeah. But young Eddie, I think, is actually really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and, and I, I only really say that, I mean, obviously I watched it, but I would have told you that just cause like he really, even though he's not a famous actor, like his face and his character, like was burned in my head when the movie started. I was like, yeah, I totally know this kid. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think he does a good job. Um, Tim Reed is fine. He doesn't get a whole lot to do. No. Um, Wait, which, which one's Tim Reed? Of, uh, Mike, Mike, Cameron. Mike. Yeah. The young, the young Mike or the old, the adult old Mike? Mike, older Mike, Old Mike, and then young Mike is Marlon Taylor. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I had no real strong thoughts about either of them. I thought he was good. Yeah, okay. both. Yeah, and then lastly, you got Stan, uh, who I think it's a product of writing, but young Stan gets jack shit to do. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because he's got some really good material to cover. I think the stuff with his mom and. And just sort of like how his fears manifest. That's that's to me that's pretty compelling stuff. Yeah, yeah. From what I remember in the book, but even of how they portray it in the in the newer films. Um, yeah, so that's sort of, you know, more positives than negatives, but at the end of the day, your lead is kind of a charisma vacuum, which is a bummer. Yes. Um, and I think that's what ultimately <laughs> leaves me with that taste of like being a bit dissatisfied with the acting. Let's talk about some segments, some right. sequence sequences, um, that I wanted to pinpoint. The obviously the gutter scene in, in the opening with Georgie in the yeah. boat 
is iconic mm-hmm. and rightfully so it looks great it's yeah scary that yeah. was the image that scared the shit out of me the first time i saw it. yeah everybody it was, it's just it scarred a generation <laughs> like I, yeah. I feel like it's it's so scary um and it's also funny that it turned into that meme for a bit <laughs> that doesn't really get used anymore but uh yeah that's one segment that i wanted to pinpoint okay as a highlight as being exceptional um, I thought the blood in the sink was also very cool. Yeah, looking it happens again, and it it they do it in the next one, the or the next movie, I believe. This, you mean like the twenty seventeen? The twenty seventeen. Yeah, they do. It's well done in that too. Yeah, but in this one, like the blood looks fantastic. Yeah, well, one of the things that this movie benefits from when it's showing Pennywise or when it's showing this blood scene mm-hmm. is it's it's pretty bright. And, and fairly high contrast. So it's like the red of the blood or of his nose, like those things in his hair, that stuff really pops. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pops the, the way this is shot. Yeah. And the, and the new film, you know, can't escape that, that vortex of, of, of softer, more natural lighting and that kind of just like not having as much light that yeah. so many digital productions have now. My memory of it is it's very brown. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have like an exciting, you know, kind of color grade. Um, segment I liked, I think maybe the clearest example besides the opening segment of how you you can sort of successfully build suspense without having to have a ton of money being spent on screen uh, the finale, mm. but specifically the the stuff with Henry and the other bullies and Stan in the mm-hmm. in the separate room, right? Mm-hmm. So the yeah. stuff with the light in the pipe and then the light when, in the pipe is very cool. Yeah, and it's just a light. It's literally a light on a dolly track that spins, so it's kind of like moving, you know, in a circular pattern. It looks awesome, and it's mm-hmm. it's actually scary. Like it I started scary. thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? This is light is kind of scary. Yeah, uh, that's an idea I played with in in my short, which will someday come out, and um, and yeah, almost certainly inspired in some ways by this. Um, and then yeah, when uh, what's his face? Who's so who's the guy who eats it? Is um, is Belch and. Is it the one. other one? Oh, I wrote it down. Uh, hold on. Um, <coughs> no, it's Belch. Yeah, okay. Belch gets sucked into the pipe. Yeah, that stuff's fucking great. Him yeah. getting him getting folded up and pulled down that pipe is awesome. I had forgotten about that, but yeah. as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." That yeah, it, it's a, it looks great. Um, even the shower scene, which initially starts kind of cheesy. With like the the shower heads poking out and extending, mm-hmm. like yeah. when Pennywise comes out of the drain, yeah, it's pretty scary. Pennywise is fucking scary. Yeah, he is, and the way that they choose to show him here sets the template even for the new movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, you really gotta give credit to that for that to Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, and his cinematographer, because you know that stuff's. Only so much can be expressed in the book, right? 
So that kind of visually how you're going to place him in frames and that kind of thing is a decision made by these filmmakers by and large. And they do such a good job of not like framing him up. Like he's the center of, of the frame. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll have a big frame, like you'll have a wide frame that he's sort of off on the side of. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or he'll be like obscured, like, you know, his first appearance in the, in that opening, uh, or it's, I does the laundry stuff come, that comes before, yeah, Georgie, right? Yeah, it does. So yeah. like that stuff where it's just like there's sheets blowing around, nothing. It's it's, it's very Michael Myers in yeah, Halloween. You're 1. right, and that shouldn't really be a surprise. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so you know maybe we also then have to give a nod to the great John Carpenter, um, because yeah, the more. You, I'm I am embarrassed that I didn't think of that Eric cuz you're right. <laughs> There's so much of of how they show their bad guy that that I think is learned from the way Carpenter did it. Yeah. And it's and it's really effective. I mean, don't feel bad. I just thought of it in the moment as you're saying cuz that was something I wanted to bring up even the scene where they're looking at the photograph that comes to life. Pennywise starts small in the frame at one mm-hmm. at one end, then he runs yeah. towards the camera. It's yeah for like what is actually a pretty cheesy thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's scary because Pennywise looks fucking terrifying running at you. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and like the the first time he appears in the what is what is the creepy name for the area where the where the oh where the, I pipes is is it yeah, the narrow it's like the narrows or something i forget maybe i forget but the first time pennywise shows up there i think it's is it mike who sees him or mm-hmm. i forget if it's mike or if it's ben but you know when he's out in the middle of the water and the plants it might be ben yeah yeah and he's standing next to the big sewer grate yeah it's just creepy as fuck it's creepy you know? as fuck that's what i was you know it's why I like it follows in, in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. Seeing something from far off is fucking scary. Yeah. It's almost always really? scarier than seeing it close up because yeah, it, it plays off that idea of being afraid of the unknown, right? Something's mm-hmm. further away, you know less about it. Um, and it still mm-hmm. has so much potential scary energy exactly. as opposed to the kinetic potential. energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one other really shitty performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie's mom. <laughs> Eddie's mom sucks. Yeah, she's not good. <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah, the bullies could be a little bit more impactful for me. I mean, that's kind of been a gripe of mine with Stephen King bullies for yeah. <clears throat> quite a while. Because he, it's a motif with him. It's, there's these horrible, vicious bullies that never completely feel real. Yeah. There's two. They're too crazy, and especially too Henry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's just. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, he's just um, a sociopath, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, I don't know. It's a little cheap, I think, when you're writing, right? Or it's just like, well, yeah, this person's yeah. just evil, and they don't care about anybody. It's like, well, that's not really the way people are. Um, he does some really fucked up things in the book. He poisons Mike's dog. He he like suffocates his brother in the crib. He's like, he's fucking crazy in the book. Um, I didn't have I don't I mean like we could go on. I have yeah. more thoughts written down, but 
those are the big ones I wanted to get to. I'm curious to hear if you just have any other sort of takes in general. Sort of. I'm sorry. You. Uh, if you have any sort of takes you could share, because you, you know of what you wrote down, if any like as opposed to specifics, was there anything sort of more overarching that you were thinking? Um. Hmm. No, I. You know, the biggest. I guess my biggest gripe with it is the pacing issue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's some jumps in logic that um that especially in the section where they decide to go after Pennywise, the discovery of the group knowing about Pennywise, uh, you know, like, oh, you saw Pennywise? I did too. Mm-hmm. And then figuring out what he is yeah. and deciding to get him feels very rushed. Yeah. Um, and I could have used 20 more minutes to kind of flesh that out. Um, yeah, that was kind of my biggest yeah. thing. I, what, about, what about yourself? Well, I, I, I think that's good to point out because, yeah, I do think, like, if you had to pick the biggest sin of this movie, I think it is that. It is, it is like, what what is required to cram this into the runtime that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do lose that stuff. And, like, that should be the... That's the climax of the movie. So, really, it's like everything should build to that. And then... And then it should feel like a moment you live in and you're really like, as they're kind of like putting everything together and deciding, because, you know, in the book, I remember, you know, being young when I read it, if you're, if you're younger, when you read it, I feel like you really connect with exactly how fucking scary of an idea it is that, that you're going to confront this thing. Yeah. You know? Because I feel like, okay, everything's scary, but it's easy to sort of retreat and be like, I'm going to try to hide out in my house. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to avoid it as much as I can. And then there's, at least then you get to be passive, right? You you don't have mm. to, you don't necessarily know you're going to force something terrible on yourself. But for these these kids to be like, no, we got to go down in there. Into the and, sewers and yeah, confront it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big deal. And I feel like that plays in the book. Um, and I don't think you really feel it so much here no i agree i agree um yeah i mean other than that i just think you know the design of pennywise is awesome Mm -hmm. um because again i think because of the restraint that's used right for the most part pennywise is a plausible clown right um I actually I like Bill Skarsgård. I don't hate the Pennywise in the new movies, but that's no, I like the Pennywise in the new one. Yeah, but that's a clown. You see that clown and you go, oh, "That's a fucked up clown." That's right? a horror clown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But you could be mistaken for seeing some of these shots where Curry's smiling and he's got some balloons, and he's pretty much just like, "Okay, guy looks like Bozo the clown." Yeah. Um, you know, and um. And I think it is that juxtaposition that makes him work so well, right? I agree. And then you just obviously, you get away with that. I feel yeah. like nowadays you'd have to have this like he has a dirt. His clothes are dirty, and you know, I think I think that's true coming from the decision makers. But I think that if you were somehow able to do that, I think it would work just fine too. with today's audiences. Me too. Um. Yeah, and I think um the teeth like it's it's oh, yeah. 
it's like Jeez a the eyes. it's a very small piece of the whole puzzle but it's really important right that those teeth are they terrify me right mm-hmm. and i don't know exactly what you would even like there's a little they're a little animal right there's almost like a little bit of a shark kind of feel to yeah, them yeah yeah but you know it, and it's just they're yeah it's fucking scary Scary or stuff. that clawed hand when he's going down the pipe at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. It turns into this bigger tentacly thing. Mm-hmm. Where that's like a quick glimpse into like his true form, and you're like, "What the fuck could this guy possibly be?" <laughs> like it's it's cool. Yeah. It leaves it leaves it up to the imagination in a fun way. Absolutely. All right. I mean, I think that's right. pretty much everything I wanted to say. Well, we'll have more to talk about next episode with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as deaths go in this one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have Lorianne, who's the little girl who's killed mm-hmm. in the opening. Georgie is killed in the sewer. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's some deaths off screen that are talked yeah, about. Yeah, we hear about, scene. yeah. But then it's Belch who gets sucked into the pipe. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, shit. I can't remember which bully I didn't write his name. Gets killed <laughs> off screen after. And then... Um, Stan dies. Victor Victor. is his name. Yeah. And then Stan dies by suicide. Yeah. What was your favorite kill? Um, it's Georgie. Yeah. But I'll let you say what you want about it. No, no, you go for it. it. No, I mean, I yeah, I mean, it's you said it before. It's iconic. It's like one of. It's such a, a such a memorable scene. It's part of the canon of horror. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just done well, and it's it, again, it's a great illustration. There's no violence in that scene shown on screen, right? It's all implied, and it doesn't make it any less scary. It's terrifying. I also want to give a shout out to Belch getting sucked into the pipe that we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's a really it's great. stark, startling image that surprises you, and mm-hmm. it's like it's not gory. But it's effective. It's unnatural. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I just said it a little bit. But mm-hmm. zombie thumbs up or down, is this movie gory? No. No. There's some blood. There's some blood mm-hmm. in the sink. But otherwise, no, it's not a gory movie. This is made for TV in 1990. Yeah. Ghost thumbs up or down, Mike, is this movie scary? Yes. Like, I agree. This is a scary yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Two Surprisingly, might be hot. Like if we were doing the John Carpenter scale, this yeah. one might be higher up than most of the movies we cover. I think that's true. I think this is certainly in the seventy-fifth percentile of scariness, if not even the eightieth or even higher. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, I have my segment here. Hey, hey we're cu- we're back in Stephen Kingland, my home state, Maine. Play the theme song, Eric. Lobster rolls, whoopie pies, it's enough to make a grown man cry. Honor the state from where I came. It's Maine. It's still good. It, it gets me every time. <laughs> uh, how does this movie do in its representation of Maine? Well, it was shot. We didn't bring this up. I'm sure this will come oh, yeah. next time. It was shot in British Columbia. Vancouver. The coup. Is a, on a similar latitude, approximately, mm-hmm. to Maine. So you you do get a sense yeah. of the 
northern by the coast trees. Yeah. Would you say the flora is is it plays? Yeah, it plays. Okay. It plays. But I think the best part mm-hmm. is it has this rundown mill town feel. Yeah. Which is very Maine because Maine uh, is a town is a, si- a state that was uh, dominated by mills on this river. There's a few rivers in Maine, the Saka River, Mallison River, a bunch of rivers. Uh, my hometown, Sanford in particular, had a mill that closed down before I was mm. born. And then the whole town was kind of depressed after that. And I feel is like that-, that feels like this. What was that? Uh, no, can finish your thought. Oh, the, the feeling of this movie and the buildings, the houses kind of did actually take me back. So I think this is a good representation of Maine. Okay. Did you have a scale for this segment or are you just, I was just trying to remember that actually. Okay. <laughs> well, scale? I was, oh, I, yes. I have... no, it's wicked. Good. Wicked. Good. Wicked. Good. Okay. I had a couple of things I wanted to add about this. Well, one just popped into my head as you were describing, uh, there was, do you remember Empire Falls? It was an HBO miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never saw. I never saw it, but uh, I, if it didn't take place in Maine, it definitely. Sure it yeah, because it's like about a town whose mill closed down, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I think I always kind of liked that. Um, but what I was going to ask you, Eric, um, your opinions of these. Um, well, did you know? So do you know that of, of the Stephen King town, so uh, Salem's Lot, Castle Rock, Derry, mm-hmm. Derry is the one that is supposedly based on King's actual hometown of Bangor, Maine. Bangor, okay. Yeah. So have you spent much time in Bangor? Um, I've just, I've been there, but not spent okay. an extended amount of time. Okay. He has a funny quote where he basically is saying, like, I wanted to set this in Bangor because it's, you know, it's supposed to have a working class kind of feel. And he said, Portland is for yuppies. <laughs> do you agree with that assessment? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Portland is like, it's the city. Yeah. It, yeah. So uh, that is where the nicer houses and uh, the yuppies would live. And, yeah. and Bangor is um, more of the, what I was describing of like, sure. A, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. And yes, Empire Falls. Empire Falls, Maine. Well, there you go. I have the book somewhere. I bought the book, but I never read it. Hey, maybe one day. I remember it kind of feeling like Stephen King without any horror. Hmm. I like the sound of that. I think that's just because it's set in Maine mostly. (laughs) Well, finally, slash, smash, or crash. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I we talked about this off the air and I said I was going to give this an incomplete. But yeah. then because it's the first half of a movie, but also it's like I do know what I would give this. Yeah. So I feel like I might as you know, if it's OK with you, I'll say I'll say what I think. You you did just ask me, Eric. Sure. Um, this is a. Um, this is a. This is a boy's dream, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well. This, I want this movie to crash into me. And I'll come into you and also <laughs> give it a crash. <laughs> oh, horrifying. Oh, I, um, made my, I made my wife and son listen to Dave Matthews being in the car today. 
Because <laughs> my wife didn't know that there was a time period where I liked Dave Matthews Band. Really? So believe me. Yeah. Wow. And so I played, and it's not good. They're no. both roasting me pretty hard. <laughs> God, I wish I could have been a yeah. fly on the window in that car. Uh, all right, cool. All right, let's take a quick break. We got one final segment for you. I cooked up a segment for Mike. I'm calling it a penny for your thoughts. Of course, inspired by the villain of it. Pennywise, you might be asking yourself, what could this possibly be? Well, Mike, I am going to present you mm-hmm. with a series yeah. of facts. Okay. Um, You will have to tell me. If they are about Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Okay. Alfred Pennyworth, Batman's butler. Sure. Does this require me to know the lore of the show? Is yeah. that part of the canon? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Fuck. <Yep. laughs> don't worry. Truly don't worry about it. <laughs> and then James Cash Penny. AKA JC Penny, the founder of JC Penny. So I'm going to tell you some facts about these people, and you tell me if it is, you know, Alfred, Pennywise, or JC Penny. Okay. We clear? We're clear. Let's do it. We fucking clear? Okay. Mm -hmm. First up, worked as a bouncer after leaving the Special Air Force Service, SAS. So is this deliberately easy? Is that the, does it get harder? Well, don't worry. It doesn't get much harder. I mean, (laughs) it gets vague. (laughs) Okay. This sounds a lot like Alfred Pennyworth. All right. Alfred Pennyworth. I didn't know. I didn't know that previously. So here, there you go. In 1929, killed a group of robbers known as the Bradley Gang. Okay, well, this is I don't probably think it's one of Alfred. I don't think it's Alfred. Mm-hmm. So it's either Pennywise or J.C. Penny. Mm-hmm. Um, the events of it. So there's the whole thing with Pennywise. He doesn't he go away for is it 27 years or 30 years? I think it's 27 years. I believe, so, we, I believe we previously said 30, but 30, maybe okay. we were wrong. Well, it's in the, it's in that ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and what the first one set up in 1960. Yeah. So 60. So you said, when was the Bradley gang killed? 1929. So maybe, yeah. All right. I'm going to go with Pennywise. Cause that you're that correct. His, it was yeah. Pennywise. All right. All right. Moving on. Me, tragically, me taking your joke sequence really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> tragically lost his hand. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> someone had their hand severed tragically. Okay. Tragically. I mean, I guess. Well, it's always, it's I don't think anything. I don't know if Pennywise's hand got chopped off. We wouldn't call it a tragedy. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Alfred has two hands, so I'm going to go with J.C. Penny. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. It's actually Alfred Pennyworth in what? the in some run of comics. Got his hand oh, severed Jesus and then Christ. reattached. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Comic books, Jesus. Okay. All right. Fathered two sons before his wife died of pneumonia. Definitely Pennywise. No, <laughs> JC Penny? Is yes. this JC Penny? This is JC okay. Penny. All right. Okay. What do you think Pennywise's kids are like? <laughs> oh, they're monsters. <clears throat> um, two more. Was a Freemason. Um JC Penny. JC Penny, Mike, you're doing great. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry for all the coughing. I apologize. That's okay. Um, so I missed one. How many have we done so far? We've done five. We have one more. So we've got one so more. Okay. You've doing. You've done great. Oh, thank you. Last question: Is a shape shifting creature whose real name is Glamour and is a billion years old? A billion? Or billions of years old? With a B? Yes. Uh, Pennywise. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> it's as always revealed Alfred. in the TV series Pennyworth: The Origins of Batman's Butler. Uh, no, you're right. It is Pennyworth. <laughs> I was almost gonna believe you for a second, but I I think I remember Glamour from the book. Yeah. Say, so, um, hey, Mike, you aced this test. I mean, you got one wrong, okay. but you know, All it's right. not bad. Well. I'm very happy to have scored so well. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Eric. Um, no problem. When you when you pitched this to me this afternoon, uh, I did say that I had a little uh, addendum. Okay. All right. Uh, so I just wanted to add this at the end. We got the penny. Where's the wise? Oh. That's right. It's, it's time for... <laughs> A word from the wise. <laughs> Eric, I'm going to give you... <laughs> Hoist by six... my own petard. <laughs> I'm going to give you six movies, Eric. Oh, okay? my God. And you have to tell me, were... did actor Ray Wise, from... everyone knows from Twin Peaks, yeah. did he appear in the movie? Was it directed by Academy Award winner Robert Wise. Oh my God. Uh, director of West Side Story. Okay. Or did it star Alfie Wise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a character actor who perhaps most famously portrayed uh, the second cop in the Cannonball Run. Okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Love it. You ready? I love it. So is it Ray, Rob, or Alfie? Ray, Rob, or Alfie. Okay. Because whatever it is, it's wise. <laughs> All right. Here we go. The three wise. Your first. <laughs> oh, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> no, I like That's the words good. of the wise better. Don't worry. No, but three wise men is better. <laughs> it's just better. You son of a bitch. I wish I'd come up with that. Uh, okay. Here we go. Your first film... From 1985, okay. 
I don't know if if you're like me, this was a this trailer was on one of your VHS tapes that you owned, and so you saw it a million times, but you never actually watched the movie. It is 1985's The Journey of Natty Gan. <laughs> no, it's an it's an adventure film. I'm gonna say Alfie Wise is in it. I'm sorry, it's Ray Wise. Fuck. Yeah, Ray Wise plays Saul Gan. He's oh. sort of the, uh, um, he's he's Natty's dad, oh, and wow. uh, yeah, he's sort of like the uh, the ins, uh, inciting factor in the movie. She's traveling across the country during the depression to get to her father, who she's been separated from. Wow. Okay. And I think John Cusack goes with her. Oh. All right. Over one. That's all right. Here's one. I think you can get. Um, well. 1979's Star Trek the Motion Picture, the first Star Trek movie. Oh. Hmm. Rob Rob Wise? Is that what he said? Robert Wise? Yeah, Robert. Robert. I don't think anybody called him Rob. <laughs> I just did. Uh, Directed yeah, by Robert go... Wise? That is correct, oh, Eric. Uh, one of the worst Star Trek movies. <laughs> uh, directed by two-time Academy Award winning Best Director. Robert Wise. Uh, okay. Next up, 1996's The Snow. You know what? I'm saving that. I'm saving okay. it. I'm sorry. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> this is my this is my bloopers episode. Um <laughs> all right. I'm gonna give you 1992's Bob Roberts. Do you remember Bob Roberts? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to say your point. Uh, all right, Ray Wise. You trusted your instincts. You were right. It is Ray Wise. Right. He is in the movie. All right. <laughs> did not did not write down his character. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, 1976 war action drama Midway. Alfie Wise. That's correct. You know, that was supposed to be a little bit of red herring. Because to me, it sounds like a movie Robert Wise could have directed. Yeah, no, I, I um, definitely crossed my mind. Okay. 1989's Rooftops. Uh, and I will give you a very brief plot synopsis. Unless you've heard of Rooftops. Do you know Rooftops? No, I'm not aware of Rooftops. Okay. Uh the logline is a skilled young street fighter battles criminals across the rooftops of New York City. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty good. And it doesn't yeah. sound like it's a Robert Wise joint, so I'm going to say Alfie okay. Wise. I'm sorry. Oh. It is a Robert Wise joint. Oh, no. It's Robert Wise's last joint. Oh, no. Um, and what's funny about it is once you realize that he directed it, it starts to make sense because it's basically West Side Story. Right, right. Just all on roofs. <laughs> all right, we have one more. This is the one that I shifted to the back of the line. 1996's comedy, The Stupids. You know about The Stupids, right? Um, is, that, is it Dan Aykroyd? Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. He's yes. got one of those like 1930s 
Democrat hats on or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straw, yeah. The straw he boater looks, hats. He looks stupid. 1996 is the stupid. Well, is I mean, this Ray Wise, Robert Wise, or Alfie Wise? I was going to say, I mean, just like number wise, no pun intended, mm-hmm. I'm due an Alfie, but is that part mm-hmm. of the trick? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Ray Wise. That's a good guess. Is incorrect. There is a brief cameo in The Stupids by director Robert Wise. (laughs) You son of a bitch. It's true. It's true. Oh, God. I just hit the... the, Yeah, you just got really short all of a sudden. (laughs) Oh, no. I might be too far from the microphone. All right. We're falling apart. Let's wrap this up. It's one of those office chair problems. You know, I, 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 I sank to the ground. Um, obviously next week we're, t- we're going to be talking about the second half of Stephen King's It. Uh, it's on Max. <laughs> it's not HBO. It's Max. You know where to write us, so do so. And as always, hey, way to go, banana heels. <laughs> <laughs>